Hello, Varmidians. This is Paul. You know, Donna and I are coming up on our 100th episode. I can't believe it. And for the 100th episode, we're going to do something really special. First off, we have a contest for you, the listener. The Cell Phone Photo Backyard Wildlife Contests. Take a picture of some wildlife in your backyard, at a zoo, at your nature preserve, with your cell phone, and send it to us. First prize is going to get a Varmint's prize pack, including an original signed piece of artwork of your favorite Varmint by Blazing Caribou Studios podcaster and artist Phil Rude. Second and third prizes are going to get some cool stuff as well. We have very specific rules, so go to blazingcariboustudios.com slash varmintscontest. That's blazingcariboustudios.com slash varmintscontest. Or if you're a member of the Varmints Discussion Group on Facebook, we'll post the rules there as well. And we'll announce the winners of that contest on our 100th episode, where we'll be talking about emus, and we'll be joined by Corbin Maxey. Corbin Maxey is a nationally recognized animal nerd, biologist, and television personality. He's been on some television shows you might have heard of, The Today Show, Late Night with Seth Meyers, Inside Edition, and The Martha Stewart Show. We're really looking forward to episode 100, and we hope you are too. You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. The laughing hyena keeps laughing all the time. He laughs all day and he laughs all night and he laughs in song and rhyme. He laughs at Mr. So-and-so and Mrs. Such-and-such. But any time the joke's on him, he doesn't laugh as much. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. Hi, I'm Donna, and I have again failed to become an animal expert (laughs) since the last time we talked. And today, we are talking about the hyena. Yes, absolutely. But first, the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Well, there was a close encounter with African wildlife in the reception area of a safari camp. More than a dozen hyenas killed a kudu in the reception area of a safari camp in Zimbabwe, leaving a large pool of blood. There were no guests in the area during the nighttime kill last month, but they heard the commotion. There was Facebook video of the scene at Kavinga Safari Camp in Manapools National Park, which shows two people with rifles and flashlights entering the reception area where the kudu carcass lay. Camp manager Caitlin Wetzler said that the hyenas were unusually quiet, possibly because they didn't want to draw the attention of lions that might steal their meal. She also said that staff cleaned up the mess and dragged the carcass outside so that the hyenas could eat at a comfortable distance. Did you happen to see pictures of this safari camp? No. First of all, it's really, really nice. They're like two little outdoor bars. When I think of a safari camp, I think of just like 
canvas tents and campfires. This looked like the outdoor, like, of a hotel. Right. It was really nice and also really, really bloody. <laughs> was, um, the mess was unbelievable. I'll, I'll put a photo of it in the show notes, but I cannot imagine having to clean that up. Oh, my goodness. Well, nature red in tooth and claw and all that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes a hyena got to eat a kudu. <laughs> That's a bucket list thing for me is African safari. Yeah, me too, but I don't think it'll ever happen. It's very I, expensive. It's too expensive, right? Yeah. I'll, if I could do a virtual safari, that'd be fun. That's probably the closest I'll ever get. Yeah, and that way you don't have to worry about hyenas killing a kudu, like, within feet of you. Right. Because that would be terrifying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, just a reminder, go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmints at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We also have a Pinterest board where I feature pictures of every animal that we talk about on our show. The link to that will be at the bottom of every episode of show notes. We also have merchandise now, so go on over to tpublic.com and put varmints into their search engine and you will find all sorts of stuff from us. If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We're everywhere the podcasts are found and word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. So let's start, get started, and learn about some hyenas. Let's do it. Hey! Uh. Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> We are talking about hyenas today. Hyenas are feliform carnivorous mammals of the family Hyenidae. There are four living species of hyena, the spotted hyena, the brown hyena, the striped hyena, and the aardwolf. All four species are found in Africa, but the striped hyena's distribution extends into the Middle East. Even though hyenas share many behavioral and physical characteristics with dogs, Genetically, hyenas are much closer to cats. That's what filiform means. So most of their grooming, mating, and parental behaviors are consistent with your household cat. Hyenas first arose in the Miocene period, which happened about 20 million years ago or so. All four species are very recognizable and share some similar traits. Relatively short torsos, high forelegs, very short hind legs, and their backs slope noticeably downward towards their backsized towards their backsides, and they have a ridge or even a mane of coarse hair around the neck and down the back. Across all species, hyenas are about three to five feet long, or about a meter to a meter and a half, and they weigh about 100 to 120 pounds, or between 45 to 54 kilograms. Hyenas are well known for their laughing sound, which sounds something like this. We've done a lot of really quiet animals lately, so it's it's nice to play an animal sound effect now and then. <laughs> male and female hyenas are just called male and female hyenas. Baby hyenas are called cubs. And a group of hyenas is called a clan or a cackle. 
You would think the word for hyena would be African in origin and have a really cool story, bro, but the word hyena hasn't changed much in a very, very long time. It's derived from the Greek, then Latin, then Middle English words, which were all, can you guess? Hyena. <laughs> which means hyena. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the etymology is really, really boring for, for hyenas. But what does hyena, what's the base? What are the roots? What do the roots mean? Greek, Latin, and Middle English. They were yeah, just, but you, they the, didn't say? No, they just saw a hyena and, and they said, that's a hyena. And then that's what it was called. So the word, the, the letter, the words within the word hyena don't have separate meanings? Middle English via Latin from the Greek, huiana, something <laughs> feminine. <laughs> it's the feminine version of pig. Ah. The, tr the transference of the term probably being because the animal's mane was thought to resemble a hog's bristles. Ah, interesting. Hyenas live in a matriarchal society. That's sort of interesting. There are, like, not a lot of herd animals that do this. There's not a lot of animals that do this. Elephants come to mind. But, yes, they are a matriarchal organization. They have a lady hyena who's in charge, and the lady hyenas are much bigger than the males, much bigger and stronger, which is very unusual in the animal kingdom, but it is so. And when the alpha female has her cub, her cub inherits her status, which is sort of interesting. So if she has a baby, that baby is going to be the queen of the pack. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, males are the principal appeasers in this stuff so they're always the lowest on the totem pole and the males born by the lowest female in the pack are really like not treated very well they they bully them and they do not treat them nice at all but so poor little males but the higher rank if you're a male in a hyena pack the status of your mother is going to help you more than anything else wow and that grows for all the cubs but you know especially it counts for males so yeah, it's very, very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. But the very cubs cool. actually start fighting each other for dominance within the pack within, like, minutes of oh, having wow. their eyes open and their teeth <laughs> out because that's how they come out. Their eyes are open and their teeth are already erupted. And with just a few minutes of, of being alive on the outside, they start fighting to establish dominance. <laughs> so. Holy cow. The least aggressive cubs usually starve, and it's it's just a it's a whole thing with hyenas. The the ladies are in charge, and they are not fooling around. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Hyenas were mainly thought of as completely scavengers until people started looking at them, and they found out that about seventy percent of what they eat are animals that they've hunted and killed themselves. And then the other thirty percent of their food comes from kills that are stolen from other animals like lions or from scavenging carrion, which is dead stuff. But hyenas don't waste anything, so every bit of the animal they're eating is in the food box, including bones and hooves and hair and everything. In fact, hyena poopies are frequently white because of the bones they eat. So partially digested hair, hooves, horns, all of that is pretty much digested. Some of it might be regurgitated a little bit later as pellets, but other than that, they eat everything, they digest everything, no problem. <laughs> hyenas have one of the strongest bite forces in the animal kingdom. That is what enables them to eat bones. 
A hyena's bite force is about 1,100 pounds per square inch. To put that in perspective, lions have about half that. They're about 600 pounds per square inch. And uh, a Rottweiler dog has a bite force of about 300 pounds per square inch. So hyenas bite hard. Yes. They have canine teeth towards the front of the jaws. And in the back of the jaws, on both the top and the bottom, they have what's called carnicial teeth. So what are carnicial teeth and why doesn't your dentist ever talk about them? It's because you don't have them. Hyenas do. Carnicial teeth are modified molars. They have enlarged, very sharp edges. And because they are on the top and the bottom and they fit together just right, they actually sharpen themselves. The teeth rub up against one another as they're eating and they they keep each other sharp. So what this means is that they don't have to tear meat to eat it. They can just cut through it like scissors. And that allows for more effective meat eating. It allows them to crush things like bones and hooves and horns very, very easily. Like crocodiles, hyenas have some of the strongest stomach acids in the animal kingdom. They have a very potent hydrochloric acid in their stomach. And that allows them to digest nearly everything. It also kills harmful bacteria. Hyenas don't even really get sick. The main causes of death for hyenas are injuries from hunting, lions, other hyenas, humans. But hyenas, because of their digestive system, because they're able to eat all this rotting stuff, and because of some genetic factors, hyenas never die of disease. Wow. Which is pretty remarkable. That is remarkable. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Disclaimer time! The Varmint's podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway. I was absolutely shocked when I found out how smart hyenas are. Yeah, they're super smart. Super smart. Uh, the a little article that I'm going to put in the show notes from The Telegraph talked about wild-spotted hyenas and how they were presented with tests, a little steel puzzle box that contained food. Yes. And they actually used trial and error to work out how to open the door. Yep. We're finally talking about a smart animal, Donna. Yes, we found a smart animal finally, <laughs> one that can open boxes and like drive your car and, you know. Yeah. Use use your cable. They can steal your cable if they want to. (laughs) (laughs) So they're right up there. People that study hyenas think they're right up there with primates, you know, crows, octopuses, those kind of animals. Absolutely. Like up in the eight and a half range for me. Yes. Yeah. Is that what you gave them to? I think, yeah, seven-ish. Yeah, seven. I think a raven could probably still own their faces, but... <laughs> uh, I thought hyenas I feel, were dumb. I feel like they're pretty high up there, but if they were presented... If they and a raven had to compete for a prize, I think the raven would get it first. That's just my guess. Wow. So, yeah. I'm just seeing... The, I, I go into Vortex, like, holes of, of YouTube watching raven videos and stuff and the stuff they do is 
crazy. And in fact, I think ravens and crows. I think I might actually be willing to change my, I think we put them at seven or eight or something. I think those guys might be a nine, really. I mean, honestly, the only thing that keeps them from taking over the world is that they just don't really care to, I think, at this point. (laughs) They'd have to manage us. Yeah, and I just don't think they're interested in that (laughs) at all. I love this quote from the article. It says, One hyena, however, that could not figure out how to open the puzzle, learned that he could position himself near the door so that when another hyena solved the puzzle, he could get to the meat faster and eat it all. That's what it's all about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy to be talking about an animal that isn't a (laughs) dum-dum. We love the dum-dums too, though. Absolutely, but it's just, it's it's nice for a change. You've had a nice, we've had a pretty good run of the not-so-brights. Yes, and what's even nicer is I thought that hyenas were just dumb thugs, and they're not. Hmm. I, I no, learned I, something. I, I learned a lot this I did that impression, week. but I mean, I kind of like them. We had them, we had them at the Denver Zoo. I think we still do. Um, and they're really neat. They're neat to watch and stuff, so cool yeah i learned a lot about them this week yeah they're really neat all right well we are going to talk about hyenas and pop culture and a couple other things but we're going to do that right after this this is the irrationally exuberant i'm reed messerschmidt family friends fans bono i see you over there Looks like a carelessly basted turkey with the head still on, but the head got stung by a bee and it's allergic to bees. Johnny, are you awake, Johnny? Yes, Bigfoot. I was just smelling your arm fur and thinking about how much I love you. I love you more than that old moon and his bright little friends and stars. This is the story of the time I found myself in front of the frying pan at three in the morning Drunk, of course, wearing a bloodstained suit and a backpack full of potatoes. This is the story of the time a grizzled old hobo asked me if I was okay. The Irrationally Exuberant is a podcast, but also art. Find it at theirrationallyexuberant.com, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Iceberg Slim and B. Zenroy Orbison. What could these things possibly have in common? Hey there, everyone. Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you. And they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys, and video games. So my pop culture pick this week is a movie that I have seen about a half a million times because I had little kids in the early 90s, and you did not, Donna, and you have never seen this movie. I have never seen this movie, and I did not have children in the 90s. I had fun. We're talking about The Lion King, a Disney movie. The Lion King tells the story of Simba, a young lion who is to succeed his father, Mufasa, as king of the Pride Lands. However, after Simba's uncle, Scar, who is Mufasa's jealous younger brother, murders Mufasa, Simba is manipulated into thinking that he was responsible and he flees into exile. He grows up living with a couple of ne'er-do-wells, a, a meerkat and a warthog, uh, and 
As he's growing up, he's given a little bit of valuable, valuable perspective from his childhood friend Nala and his shaman Rafiki before returning to challenge Scar to end his tyranny and take his place in the circle of life as the rightful king. In this movie, there are three spotted hyenas who are Scar's minions. They are called Shenzi, Banzai, and Ed. Scar has a very low opinion of them, considering them to be stupid and incompetent, but without them, he would never have risen to become King of the Pride Lands. They are voiced by Whoopi Goldberg, Cheech Marin, and Jim Cummings. During the villain song, Be Prepared, this is a little trivia, Shenzi, the female, starts laughing maniacally and is the first to scream out to the pack, Long live the king. The pack then follows her command, proving that she is the matriarch of the entire pack, just like real-life spotted hyenas. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a little clip from the movie. Man, that lousy Mufasa. I won't be able to sit for a week. <laughs> it's not funny, Ed. <laughs> it clearly is. Hey, shut up! <laughs> Off. Well, he started it. Look at you guys. No wonder we're dangling at the bottom of the food chain. Man, I hate dangling. Yeah. You know, if it weren't for those lions, we'd be running the joint. Man, I hate lions. So pushy. And hairy. And stinky. And man, are they ugly. <laughs> oh, surely we lions are not all that bad. Oh. Oh, Scar, it's just you. Oh, you were afraid it was somebody important. Yeah, you don't like Mufasa. <laughs> yeah. I see. Now that's power. Tell me about it. I just hear that name and I shudder. Mufasa. Ooh. Do it again. Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa. 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 Ooh, it just tingles me. I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> Classic. Classic animated Disney movie. Very, very popular movie. Got very, very good reviews. Everyone seemed to like it except, guess who? Uh, I don't know. Who? Hyena biologists. Oh! Yeah. Oh. They had a ton of problems with the animal's portrayal. One biologist who had organized the animator's visit to the University of California's field station for behavioral research, where they would observe and sketch these captive hyenas... He wanted people to boycott the movie. Why? Because he thought it would help preserve hyenas in the wild. It just gave everybody a very, very bad impression of hyenas. There was another hyena researcher called Jamie McPherson. He actually sued Disney Studios for defamation of character hmm. over the hyena thing. On behalf of the hyena? On behalf of the hyenas. Hmm. Yep. But it's a fictional movie. Yeah, it sure is. It's a fictional I mean, animated movie. Well, here's here's my argument to those guys. I mean, Jaws is. I agree with him. Like that, you don't you don't want to portray an animal as evil if you can help it. But like Jaws actually kind of helped with shark conservation because people started to get really interested in sharks after that. So, you know, well, there's just not a lot of hyenas anywhere. So I wonder if that's maybe a little just. Maybe being a little... Calling it too soon, maybe. Yeah, right? maybe. Maybe. Because even the bad guys in movies are likable, even Disney villains, right? Right. Or especially Disney villains, I should say. The, the best villains are the likable ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, how did it turn out? Did they win? Nope, they didn't win. Ah. Well. But this Jamie McPherson who 
who brought the lawsuit, he wrote a really, really good article about hyenas. It's called The Good, the Bad, and the Hyena, and I'll put a link to that article in the show notes. Okay, Hector's excited to read it. <laughs> well, my guy is a very minor character from the Hanna-Barbera Studios. His name is Hardy Har Har. And he <laughs> is from the show called Lippy the Lion and Hardy Har Har. <laughs> this was an animated TV series, again produced by Hanna-Barbera, and it was aired as part of the Hanna-Barbera New Cartoon series and starred the lion and hyena pair in a series of goofy misadventures. So they're buddies, which is opposite of how they are in real life. The hyenas and lions are not buddies. Not at all. No. Lippy the lion wears a tattered top hat and a vest, while Hardy the hyena wears a pork pie hat and a bow tie. <laughs> Lippy's voice, common uh, patterned after comic Joe E. Brown, is identical to that of Peter Potamus. Both were provided by Dawes Butler. Hardy Har's name is ironic as it suggests the sound of laughter associated with the hyena, but Hardy is an eternal pessimist. He's like a big old worrywart. <laughs> and I could not find a clip of Hardy Har Har actually talking, but he is voiced by Mel Blanc and he sounds a bit like Yo uh, like Boo Boo from Yogi and Boo Boo. Oh, okay. He sounds a little bit like that. But I remember Hardy Har Har and I think mostly... It must have been just some sort of, like, he was in Yogi's Ark Lark. He was in Yogi's Gang, Yogi's mm -hmm. Treasure Hunt, all that kind of stuff, doing minor appearances and all those kind of things. So I right. think I must remember it from that, because I don't remember seeing the Lippy the Lion show. So anyway, could be wrong, but I do remember this guy. And so we'll play the intro to the show for you, at least. You can have that. Here comes Lippy and Hardy! So Hardy Har Har, he's always wor worrying and he sits there and he goes, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure anything's going to work out. And he's really funny. <laughs> but I thought that was sort of interesting because he is a boy hyena and you would sort of imagine that a boy hyena might actually be like that. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, maybe they did their research, but I, they paired him with a lion, so they didn't really do much research. I did minimal research, I think. <laughs> But I don't think Hanna Barbera is who we're gonna go to for our bio information, though. So <laughs> no, we don't really go to them for zoology lectures. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, lions and tigers, or lions and hyenas, don't hang out together. Nor do they drive vehicles and. <laughs> or wear pork pie hats and bow ties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not that bothered. <laughs> but Hardy Har Har is very cute and he's a funny little guy. Yeah, that really like jogged it. a few brain cells that I haven't used in a long time when yeah, I saw that. seriously funny. Seriously funny. Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? I, 
I, I didn't find any evidence online that people were eating them. They look like the gamiest, nastiest creature in the world, like to eat. Like I can't, I can't even, even lions don't eat them. We talked in the dragonfly episode about big cats having only like a 25% success rate with their hunting and they mm -hmm. kill, they kill hyenas and just leave them. They don't eat hyenas. Right. So I, I'm not, I'm not eating hyena. I'm afraid. Right. Yeah. I'm guessing you're not either. No, I'm not eating the hyena. It is not in the food box. No, no. So according to the Malawi site that I looked at for some other stuff I'm going to talk about today, Kujamat hunters believe that when killing a hyena, the carcass has to be treated as if it's human, as a precautionary measurement against the wicked spirit of the hyena. So it doesn't sound like they are eating them at all. They're no. They're just like, oops, we got to... Gotta kill these guys, keep them out of our stuff, but we're yeah. not gonna eat them. No way. <laughs> they also have the, you know, the anal glands going on, <laughs> which is gross. That's uh, so not an issue. I, I don't know how to convince you. Okay. <laughs> that just doesn't matter. Everything has anal glands. <laughs> you think cows don't have anal glands? Is that what you're imagining? Uh, I don't think so. Do they? Yeah, they do. Of course uh, they do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, yes. I just want to note for the kids that are listening, when I say I had fun in the 90s instead of children, I just mean the kind of fun that, that, that doesn't include children. <laughs> like, I'm honestly, children are fun, and I understand that. Well, the reason that Paul left is because he has children and he knows you guys are amazing. You guys are awesome. But also a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the kind of work, the fun I had was the, the fun that you don't have to pay for. Just fun. <laughs> Irresponsible fun with no nobody to take care of. That doesn't mean you guys aren't fun. You totally are. Just we love you different. kids. Yeah. You're good. We do. We love you. But yeah, it's a whole other thing and you'll find out when you grow up. Yep. So. Okay. <laughs> That's why we're laughing, because it's one of those dumb grown-up things. So. All right. Back to anal glands. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> we have to, because it's my animal fact of the week. So let's play this. <laughs> well, I mean, in general, no, but like, okay. <laughs> the dog just agrees with me. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Silly question. Of course it is. Well, let's help you win that next trivia night, shall we? Or perhaps we could just make you sound like the smartest person in the room. With this, the Animal Fact of the Week. Hyenas are one of the stinkiest animals on the planet, and it's for a good reason. Yeah. So, yep. Hyenas are widely regarded as one of the smelliest creatures in the entire animal kingdom, and you would think that that comes from their diet, but it does not. So hyenas roam very, very large territories in packs, and they use smell to kind of guide their way around. So the, they have the, the anal glands that produce a foul-smelling paste called hyena butter. Oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So they take that hyena butter, and they rub it onto objects and even on each other. So hyenas have to regularly anoint themselves with the scent of other clan members. And the smell doesn't just mark territory, it's also used by clan members as a way of updating one another about other pack members, so it's sort of a who's who guide to body odor. <laughs> 
An analysis of the chemicals in hyena butter showed that not only did individual hyenas have a unique scent, but that clan members had a unique clan scent that differed from other clans. And the hyenas gained this clan scent by rubbing their beeholes against vegetation and each other that already had a scent deposited by another hyena that mixed their own scent with that of their other clan. So hyenas are constantly just wiping themselves all over each other and everything, and that kind of gives them an idea of how everybody's doing and where they are. Mm -hmm. Because clan membership doesn't always stay the same. Hyenas come and go and they die, so they have to regularly kind of put hyena butter all over everything and themselves. On Quora, which is a website where you can go to and ask questions and, and get experts to answer your questions, one person asked, what do hyenas smell like? And a person who studied at the University of South Africa named Brian Vanderspy said that the short answer is hideous. The longer answer he gave, he said, years ago, I was on a visit to Kruger National Park here in South Africa. A friend and I were sitting outside near the fence of the rest camp when a hyena approached people who were standing around just inside the fence. They had lured it close by offering it barbecued leftovers, mostly thick T-bones from steaks, which something which is in fact strictly prohibited. We were perhaps 20 paces or so from the fence and we smelled the hyena before we even saw it. It's a smell that hits you like a train or something, a monstrous miasma of rotten meat, dirty mud, and dust. Oh my gosh. So hyenas are big and weird and ugly and stinky, but we need them. <laughs> we need them, right? Smell-o-vision. We do need them. We do need them very, very much. And the reason is because they are a keystone species. A keystone species, remember, means that they are able to reflect the ecosystem health um, because they affect so many other animals within that ecosystem by either offering other homes or eating animals that need to be that need to be eaten up by different bacteria so that certain plants can grow it's a whole circle of life thing so unlike other large predators such as the leopard and lion the spotted hyena do not seem to have a general preferred species of prey although there seems to be a preference for prey within the weight range of 56 to 182 kilograms. Spotted hyena are capable of bringing down prey four times their size. Wow. Yeah, they generally pre prefer to take the smaller guys. But that's all part of the conservation significance. So the conservation programs that are down there are looking at developing long-term monitoring programs and they hope that they'll provide valuable information concerning their population health and what influences they have upon their prey and the other competing species that relates to their keystone rule. And so that would be the first step is setting up this, this set of studies that are, that are going on down there. They need to study them pretty deeply so they can tell the extent to which their keystone elements are endangering what down there they just need to know what it's touching basically right well how many tendrils are coming out of the hyena and uh, nobody's really sure of that but just think about their poop like you were saying earlier they're they're eating bones and they're crushing down minerals and stuff in a way that no other animal is doing that is that affecting what plants are growing in an area i bet it is sure so 
you you really have to look at the whole picture and they kind of don't know it yet so but uh yeah they're keystone species and we need them yeah need and them it's much. one of those deals where the lions need them too like without each other both species yeah. would really really suffer even though they're at each other's throats all the time it's a mutualistic sort of you know keystone relationship there where they they they're always killing each other but it you know it has to be that way they keep each other strong so right you know they keep each other able to adapt to the environment that they live in and the hyenas can take out stuff that lions don't touch so that's important that they compete for the same prey but they also compete for stuff that i mean there's also stuff that the hyenas go after the lions won't touch so it's it's a whole thing Yep. Like we said. If you like lions, you gotta like hyenas too. Yep, because it's all part of the whole package. Yep. Yes. They're really cool animals. I did not like them going into this episode, and I gained a new appreciation for hyenas. They're pretty cool. They are pretty cool. They're really cool. By the way, I've I've confirmed that cows do not, in fact, have anal glands. I have the list of animals that have anal glands. Are you ready? Go for it. Humans, dogs, cats, opossums, skunks, beavers, and hyenas. Okay. Uh, that's the, It doesn't say it's a complete list. And brown bears are on there. Uh, <laughs> but I couldn't find any evidence of cows having it, but I wouldn't be surprised. That seems to be a fairly... <laughs> it seems to be a fairly common trait in mammals. So. Okay. Write yeah. that down if you're like me and you're squeamish about the, you know, the anal glands. I don't know why you would be. It's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the meat either. <laughs> You're so weird. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Varmints Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by Imran Javed. Our vocal talent was by Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, Andrea Freitas, Stacey and Frosty. And thank you to you, the Patreon supporter, for giving us a dollar or two every month. We really do appreciate it. That is a lot of people. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger that wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on our podcast. So let's see what we got. Yes, this week we have Mackenzie. Mackenzie has a lot to say about hyenas. Oh, good. Hi, Don and Paul. I'm called Mackenzie, and I am five years old. I live in Australia. Today I want to talk about the hyenas. Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. (laughs) Um, So they live in Africa. What do they eat? They eat meat, which is flesh. And where do they get that from? Do they go to the shops? No. <laughs> that would be silly. <laughs> they get it from Africa. They, they call don't them. call them chicks. <laughs> they call them pups. They call what pups? The babies. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> There's um, spotted ones at wood. A leopards? No, they're not. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That'll be silly. What other type of hyenas do you know about? Stripey. Stripe, 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 stripe. 
I want to talk about the Lion King. What's what? What about the Lion King? Uh, so there's baddies, which are the hyenas. How many hyenas are there? <laughs> Three. Um, um, Simba's dad was is called Mufasa. Boom boom. <laughs> I just love it. Does this connect to the podcast? Yeah. Okay. I love your show very much. Like a hundred twenty points. Wow! Wow, that's <laughs> well, a lot of points. Yep. Well, like Googleplex points. Oh, that's a big number too. Yeah. Like <laughs> infinity. Yeah. Man. Bye, John and Paula. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mackenzie. <laughs> oh. She just encapsulated the entire podcast in two minutes. Yeah, for sure. And terrific. you know what? That's like me as a little girl. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking it's like a little Australian daughter. pretty much exactly like me if I were a little girl living in Australia. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> and thanks to her mom, Morgan. Morgan is the host of the Frankenpod podcast, which is a podcast that is stitched together from the corpses of mystery, noir, and gothic literature and cinema. And I gave it a listen today and it was really, really good. Excellent. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And until next time. Be nice to animals. Even hyenas. Yes. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. And they sharpen each other. So I'm trying not to really react at all because the weed whacker is right outside my window. Do you want me to wait? Yeah, we might want to just wait for a second or two. Let me look something up. I really don't want you to have to clean up that sound out of any commentary I make. Okay. All right, he's gone now. Nope. (sighs) This drives me crazy. I can never figure out what day they're going to do their yard work on. Laura and I have to fight this all the time, and it doesn't seem to matter whether we are on Monday or Tuesday. Whatever day it is, that's the day they pick. (laughs) 